You're listening to Decoding the Code, the podcast for developers. Together with fantastic guest speakers, we explore coding myths, discover helpful tips for beginners and experts alike, and get a peek behind the digital curtains. Get ready for your host, Mark Backus. Thank you, Wes, for uh, agreeing to come to the show. You have I've been a big fan of your work for a while. Maybe also many people that watch this show uh, <laughs> have also uh, at least watched one course or went through one course of yours, if it's the JavaScript one or the, uh, the ES6 one or any of your advanced courses, React and Gatsby and so on. So thank you for being on the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, I just uh, just got finished selling a whole bunch of T-shirts, which was kind of a fun little project. So uh, I just finished that up. So I'm I'm excited to move on to whatever is next for me. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw the post on Twitter. Your car is full of full of bags <laughs> to ship out. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to do in a sticker one this year or next year maybe? Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna do another batch of stickers. Um, yeah, nice. Probably in the next month or two, we'll see. Uh, I, I gotta order them and and whatnot. And it's it's a huge process doing the merchandise because the sheer quantities is just like it's a, like a huge logistics things. Like last time I did stickers, yeah. it was 180,000 stickers and wow. just nine nine boxes that I had to carry up here and like it's not just like a, oh I got a little envelope in the mail and I got a couple stickers it's like a it's a huge thing anytime I do something like this so there's a lot of planning that goes into it yeah yeah I imagine I <laughs> I imagine I uh, remember you talking about it on I think in a tweet where you said it's a huge enterprise you have to plan it you have to execute yeah. it that's why you only do it once every one or two years yeah and then there's support and people have questions and where's mine yeah. and it didn't show up and like yeah it's, it's a huge thing it's not just a oh pop and put a stamp on it you know <laughs> okay well, i think we could do a whole different episode of uh, sticker mogul <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, but today we are here to uh, talk about video creation or video course creation um, because you're also a king in that area, at least when it comes to tech videos. You have so many of them, and I just wanted to ask you some questions about it and maybe pick your brains a little bit and so the audience can see a little bit how it is creating videos and what it is and what it is not. Um, so let's just start with uh, with your coding journey. Um, when or for how long have you been coding yourself? Um, how long have I been coding for? Oh man, uh, forever! <laughs> I actually have a countdown going on my. If you go to westboss.com forward slash about, I've been coding for 21 years, um, and I'm Whoa. 33 right now so like most of my life i've been been coding and like early on it wasn't like the the hugest thing um being like a full-time dev but ever since i was an sixth grade grade six or seven or so um i've been dabbling with it and uh in university i got full on into it and by the time i had graduated from university i was just like a freelance web developer wow Cool. Yeah, I, I think you have been coding longer than me, and I'm older, one year older than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very lucky to have 
like my dad was in tech the whole time. Okay. Um, okay. Like when I was a kid. So we had a computer really early and we had internet really early. And um, I'm very lucky that I stumbled upon this thing that I really enjoy um, super early in, in my life because like people are like, oh, like how did you get where you are? I'm like literally just been at it forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what was your first programming language then when you started that long ago? Um, like, like the first many years of my life was just HTML and CSS building websites. Um, I have very faint memories of copying Java op applets into the browser, which used to be a thing. Um, I didn't pick up JavaScript until, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. but my first like real programming language was probably in high school. I did some ASP. Um, okay. where we like you could like drag and drop buttons, and when you click something, then yeah. you do stuff, and you have randomizers and coin flips, things like that. Yeah, um, okay, and yeah, then yeah. cool. Shortly after that, I got into WordPress. Um, so mm -hmm. I did PHP for probably four or five years. Um, and then I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, I saw the shift of Node.js was starting to come out. Uh, JavaScript was getting really popular. jQuery was huge at the time. And I thought like, yeah, I need to, I need to focus on this. And like for, uh, since then I've been hundred percent JavaScript um, since then. Wow. Cool. And from then, when did you start making videos or about uh, tech? When, when did that start? Yeah, um, I think you, you can go back on my YouTube and take a look. I think it's probably about eight or ten years ago I started uh, just recording little little screencasts. Um, previous to that, I had a blog for a couple of years where I would do um, commonly asked questions on WordPress, things like uh, looping over categories and custom queries. Um, and from that, I would start getting questions from people be like, Oh, how do I do this? I'm like, well, let me just flip on my screen recorder and, um, and, and put up a little video. So yeah, probably about eight or 10 years ago, I started doing all the video stuff. Oh, wow. And when did you notice that it's, uh, it can be a real business because I think that's what you, uh, you do mainly of uh, video courses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My whole, like my bread and butter is I make video courses, um, have a bunch of free ones. I have a bunch of paid ones and yeah. that, that pays the bills at the end of the day. I have a podcast as well, which we've got sponsors and stuff like yeah. that, but, uh, most of the money comes through the courses. Um, when did I realize that? Well, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, I made a core, I made a book on sublime tax. I was approached by a publisher yeah. after some blog posts I had made. And okay. they said, "Hey, do you want to you want to write a book on Sublime Text for us?" I said, "Yeah, absolutely. It sounds awesome." <laughs> um, like, how much do you get? How much will you get for me? And um, I, I then learned that like the reason why you publish a book, like a a real book that you get in bookstores and things like that, is not for the money. You do that for like notoriety and consulting gigs yeah. and and things like that. And um, I was kind of just like looking at it, being like, "Well, like." Like, well, why would I not just do it myself? Because I already have these people on my on my my blog. Um, yeah. I already have a fair amount of people on my YouTube. Um, like, why would I do this through somebody else? So I, I from there, I, I wrote the entire book myself. Um, and then I recorded a set of videos to go along with it. And nice. I much, much preferred the videos. Um, and after that, it was just all video all the time. I, I wasn't a huge fan of actually writing uh, books and then okay. I found like the type of thing that I was doing 
especially with like text editors, is so visual that people actually want to see yeah. you do it. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So, um, can you tell us a little about uh, a little bit about your process for creating a course? Like, roughly, how do you go even about it? Or, like, let's start. How do you get an idea for a course? Yeah. Um, so, I'm always thinking of ideas, and I always got my ears out as to like things I'm interested in, things people are interested in. I've got my ear to the ground on on that pretty well. Um, and anytime I have an idea for something we can build or a specific tech that we want to build, or I'll give an example right now is like a, a TypeScript course is something I've been yeah. um, probably for about a year now. I've been taking notes on it. And anytime I run into anything in TypeScript that I'm like, oh, I haven't done that before, or, <laughs> oh, that's an interesting way to do it. I'll jump into, um, right now I use what's called mind mapping software, which yeah. is um, you can like have an idea like, um, advanced types. And then from there, you can draw off like other ideas. And then from each of those ideas, yeah. you can draw off more ideas yeah, yeah, yeah. and have notes. And, and that allows me just to, to do just a brain dump of uh, what I want to do. Um, and then after, I don't know, six months, a year, I'll usually have um, a whole bunch of content. And then I can take that mm -hmm. and distill it down into um, projects that will, mm -hmm. will teach it. Because I'll, like, I'll have a list of like, okay, um, I want to teach these things. These are things that people need to know about this tech and that it's they need to know how to how to use these things. Um, okay. what can what can we do to learn those? And and for me, that's either we build an entire website or app learning each of those things along the way, or we go more piecemeal and say, all right, now we're focusing on building smaller little things that touch upon these different topics. Um, okay. And uh, taking it from what you need to learn into like what can we build and, and how can you learn it is um, is done just through like okay I've, I've got this and you just distill it down. Okay, and when you have the topics and you know what you want to talk about or you want to teach, uh, how how is your process of of creating the course eventually? Um, so what I'll do is. I'll build the thing or things that we're going to build in the course. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll, I'll usually like if it's um, like my advanced react course, I'll usually build that thing mm -hmm. two or three times using different tech or different approaches and whatnot. Okay. Um, and then after I've done it a couple of times, I'm like, all right, I feel really good about, about, about this thing. Um, and then in other cases, like the, like a Gatsby course is like I built, my personal website, I built a couple other uh, websites. I'm like, all right, I know how I like to build these things. I'm going to take those and distill it down into an actual course. Um, so once once you've got that, then you sort of peel it back to the bare bones minimum, usually just like a package JSON and a couple uh, empty folders. Um, and then I try to think about how do we take something that is not linear, which is building a mm -hmm. building an app or a website is not very linear, right? Yeah. You're kind of you're all over the place. You're here yeah, and there. Yeah. <laughs> so like trying to figure out how do you break that down into digestible videos where you start and finish something within know, 10 to 25 minutes per video, right? Um, yeah. That's probably the, the hardest part is trying to take this idea of bouncing around and building an app and build, translating it into this linear set of videos where you build upon it every single 
um, every single video. So I, I, I write all that in Markdown. Um, each okay. video idea is in Markdown. I'll, I'll have bullet points for things that I need to cover in it. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, make sure that you talk about parsing JSON or make sure you talk about possible cores issues if this thing is hosted a little bit differently. Um, and then we'll, we'll hit upon all those bullet points in the video. Um, and then I'll just get to recording. So I don't have any script or, or anything like that. I just have sort of a rough idea of the videos I need to record, okay. a rough idea of the bullet points I need to hit in them, and then you just give her. Well, nice. And how long, how long more or less do you need to, to just record your videos? Um, oh, it really varies. Uh, so like my last, <laughs> my advanced react course was, I think 13 hours and that took me six weeks to record something like that. Okay. So it's a long, long time. I can usually only yeah. get one or two courses out per year, um, between yeah. like developing the content, um, and all that stuff, as well as, as recording the videos and editing all of them. It, it, it takes a lot of time. Well, yes, uh, sounds like like a lot of work and a lot of preparation for even doing the course. But then after that, I imagine there's a whole other w uh, workload you have to do for preparing a launch, doing graphics and so on. Uh, how do you prepare to launch your product finally? Yeah, um, there's the, the marketing website which I need to design and um, write copy for. Those are the two biggest ones. Um, I really like designing stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm a designer or not, but <laughs> I really like um, making the website and, and coming up with a new look and feel and choosing the fonts and all that stuff. So for every course that I do, I, I create a new domain name and a new, new website and whatnot, which um, a lot of people initially told me that's a dumb idea. Um, but now I see a lot of people doing the same thing as me. So it obviously is panned <laughs> out. Um, so there's that. Um, and then there is the marketing, um, which is like, how do I get across everything that I want to tell people about this course in as little info as possible, as well as how do I answer all the questions that are inevitably going to come up? Like, how is yeah. this course different from this course? Do you cover this or this? Or why did you choose this tech over that tech? And um that is something that I've gotten. I feel like I've gotten pretty good at over the over the years is just trying to um, convey all that information as succinctly as possible, but also while trying to give off my personality and the type of the course that it is. Like my my websites are fun; they're a little cheeky. Yeah. The design is a little bit wild, right? Like they're not the like most like yeah. corporate websites yeah. out there. <laughs> um, but I feel like that gives a pretty good glimpse into like what you're what you should expect for the course nice and do you have any of that work that you outsource to others or you do it all by yourself um it's mostly myself um so i can i can tell you like what i do outsource to people is like i have an assistant that does all of the billing and administration and all of the like um, I got locked out of my Slack. I can't, I don't know how to reset my password. Like, like I have a newfound respect for people who work in non-technical industries and do customer support because like yeah. I'm working with web developers and they're generally very smart people <laughs> and man, does there a lot of support, right? <laughs> uh, so there's that, um, that's like non-technical support, which is just 
things um, yeah. to do with coupons and whatnot. Um, and yeah. then there is the technical support. I've uh, uh, another guy in the chat room who helps out with with that kind of stuff. Um, a couple times I've gotten people to design me thumbnails for some of the videos. Mm -hmm. um, but past that, it's pretty much just me. Um, and I could probably do for some like having some outsourced um, help. But I every time I do that type of thing, I, I find I'm, I'm just end up doing more emails and more meetings and things like yeah. that. And I, I hate of, that stuff. I just want to yeah, like, yeah. I want to make cool stuff. I want to design neat stuff. I want to write the code myself, you know, and it's it's been working well for me. Um, so I'm kind of just keep doing it. Yeah, <laughs> emailing back and forth is so time consuming. Yeah, and yeah. The, and the, the people that the people that do um, do work for me, like they know that, and they're they're very good at um, doing all their their work by themselves and and figuring things out. And like obviously, I chat with them and and answer questions every day. But the, the they're not like relying upon me for all the all this stuff. Okay, that's good. So great, you you have your your workflow uh, done and everything. And um, how how would you advise um, or how do you define what you can assume about a student of your course? You have to make some assumption of what they already know. Um, yeah. Where do you draw the line? How do you define that? Yeah, that's done on a course by course basis. So um, going into the course, I'll say, I assume that you know, like my advanced React course, I assume you know React components. I, I assume you know the basics of JSX. Um, I assume you know the sort of ideas as to like React just component base and you can pass data in. Um, and then I'll teach you the rest. And often in okay. the videos, I'll say like, often you get people that go, ah, I, don't, I don't know those things, but I'm going to take it anyway. So usually in the video, I'll just, do a quick little stop and I'll say, all right, if, if you know how hooks work, skip the rest of this video. But for everybody else, let's let's just do a quick review and this type of thing. So there's that. Um, and then there's also like, I am almost at a point now where I can point people to um, more beginner friendly content if the stuff that they're taking is a little bit over their head. Um, so yeah. you, what will happen is I'll, I'll switch the course out for them. So someone says, ah, I bit off more than I can chew. I, I'm actually, I thought I was pretty good at JavaScript, but now I see these arrows and these curly brackets and destructuring, and I have no idea what's going on. And I was like, okay, I have a beginner <laughs> JavaScript course for that. And we'll switch them over to that. And then, uh, usually a couple of months later, they'll come and they'll, they'll buy the, the upgraded course or they'll buy the, the more advanced course and they'll take that. So yeah, it's really okay, just, cool. really just, a video by or course by course where you assume what people know and what they don't know. Wow. And um, what do you, or what is your take or what do you think about uh, using a platform, for example, Udemy or others against running your own platform? Like you run your own platform or platforms. And, yeah. Uh, what's the pros and cons uh, for you? Um, so the pro of running your own platform is that you have full control over absolutely everything. So uh, if I, like in the early days, I was getting lots of emails from uh, learners in India and Brazil and all around the world where the wage that they get is not equivalent to what mm -hmm. a North American or European wage would be. Yeah. Um, 
And I, you would get these stories and you're like, okay, let me make you a coupon code. How much is that worth? And I'm like, this is mentally exhausting to have to <laughs> sympathize with every single person around the world and figure out how much of a discount they should get. So um, I just made this thing. I didn't make it up, but I, I kind of pioneered it for course creators. It's called Parity mm -hmm. Purchasing Power, um, where when you visit the website, it'll detect your country and it'll offer up a coupon code depending on what a developer makes in that country and a couple other things that go around in there. Um, and then I just implemented that. And then everybody's like, how did you do that? Like, what plugin are you using? I'm like, I just just made it. Like, it's just a <laughs> thing that I can make. Um, and people who are on platforms, they're like, oh, well, like I can't do that um, in my platform because like, yeah. yeah, there's coupon codes, but you have to restrict the coupon code to the country and there's, there's a lot to yeah. it right so just like having full control over your platform is awesome because you can do literally anything you want initially i initially did it because i was selling a book and videos mm -hmm. and like what platform does both and then i have free stuff None. and paid stuff right and then i've got affiliates and i've got team licenses where a manager can distribute them and like there's all these like little things where I, if I want to do something, I could just go off and make it. Um, and also, like, developers nice. love making their own stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's the that's the pro. Um, another pro is that you're not you're not feeding three percent into somebody else's pocket. Like a lot of these platforms yeah. will take, I don't know, a, they'll take a cut of every single thing. So you're paying yeah. you're paying Stripe's fees on top of that, and then you're paying this other platform a certain cut. Um, and then also I bill in us, I'm Canadians. So you gotta, uh, often they'll try to convert that to Canadian at a really poor rate. And before you know it, you've, you've pissed yeah. away 10% of your profits to, Whoa, okay. to somebody else. So, um, like that's not a big deal for somebody who's selling a couple hundred courses a year, definitely worth it for them. I, I would think, but for someone like me, where like that's a significant amount of my annual income, I'd yeah. much rather build the thing myself and um, keep that extra money uh, for myself. So that's the pros. The cons are you have to build an entire course platform, yeah. which is not easy. <laughs> it's taken me years. Um, you got to keep the thing up to date. If there's like features that people want added to the player or the distribution mm -hmm. or things like that, then you have to consider, okay, should I take time out of my courses to build this thing? Um, it's also really fun to to hack and build your own platform as well. I would... I would recommend it if somebody actually likes building this stuff. And like, also, I don't want to be the like uh, developer who teaches but doesn't actually have any like yeah. real world application, right? Like, we've all seen that before. And like, I have a pretty large application. Hundreds of thousands of people are learning to code on it, so um, it's good to keep my skills sharp on it. I, I want to uh, talk with you about some myth about this course creating thing. But before we come to that, I just want to ask you, are there some tips and tricks you can give beginners to uh, to create their courses, how to get started, like some little advice uh, you could give uh, new newcomers to this, uh, to this field? Yeah, I get a lot of questions where people are like, oh, Wes, I see you like, it's pretty sweet that your job is just making videos and and selling them online. And like, you get to, do silly things like sell stickers and uh, you, pretty much all day long, you're experimenting with new libraries and stuff like that. Like, that seems awesome. And it is awesome. Um, but it 
it doesn't come without having to do the whole like marketing side of things. So you need a you need a really big audience. You need um, email list, all of that stuff. And what I see a lot of people do is they just come, they build a course in total silence, and then they come out of nowhere with four tweets on their their Twitter, and, they, and then start dimming me like, Wes, can you share this? Because like no one's buying the thing, yeah. and like you really got to spend probably years, unfortunately. Um, blog posts, YouTube videos, um, yeah, TikTok probably now. Yeah, you got to have a reputation. And um, in order for you both to know what you should create a course on that people want, um, as yeah. well as build some sort of audience, you have to put in the, the initial work of um, giving that content away for free and building an audience on. Probably YouTube is the one I would recommend for right now. Um, and and that that's that's really important. So that's my uh, that's my recommendation to people looking to start is you need to start going public immediately and sharing everything you're doing and put it all on YouTube um, because by the time it comes time to launch a course, you should have people asking you when it's coming yeah. and not how do I do Facebook ads to get more sales because that yeah. stuff doesn't doesn't work with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Uh... I have Googled um, myth, uh, how is it pronounced? Myth, myth yep. <laughs> about uh, online course or online course creation. And I just wanted to go with you through some of those. Um, I think yeah. the first one, you already pretty much answered um, creating an online course is easy. You just record yourself and you're done. <laughs> so you already, <laughs> it's, uh, you said like you you can only push out max to a year because there's so much work to be done before, during, and after. It's really hard. Um, like it's like not like not to say you can't do it. Anyone can do it. There's nothing yeah. special about me. I've just I just did it. Like that's it, right? I'm not amazing yeah. at what I do or or some like one of a kind explainer. There's plenty of people like that out there that can can do what I'm doing. Um, it's just that yeah, it takes a lot of prep. The recording, especially like. When you're new at it, it takes forever because you're not good at explaining things as you're typing or you screw up or you, you think your voice sounds funny. And there's just all this yeah. like weird stuff that you have to sort of get past yeah. uh, when you initially start the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I'm I'm at a similar stage where I'm getting, I want to do videos, but I still have a little bit trouble. So uh, I do interviews. <laughs> There you go. Well, th that's great. <laughs> like, like there's nothing better than just practicing. And like, that's, that's how yeah. you're going to get better at it. Right. Like sometimes you see people and there's probably a few of them watching this interview, um, who want to do what we're doing and they're sitting here watching this interview instead of actually recording a video. Right. And like, <laughs> I'm talking to you right now, stop this interview <laughs> and, and start making a YouTube video right now. But, but let the Joe video play to the end, maybe in mute, because that's more of, more of your hours for me. Yes. But yeah, go ahead and build your course. All right. Um, another myth uh, I came across is uh, you have to be, or I have to be an absolute expert to create an online course. I personally would be a little bit split between that, between gatekeeping and like saying it's easy and you should with very little knowledge do something uh, what's your take on this yeah like you you do have to know what you're talking about but yeah. i think a lot of people have 
imposter syndrome in that they're not at a certain yeah. level. Um, like one skill I feel like I have is just being okay to be wrong and being open and I'll, I'll always post code screenshots on Twitter and whatnot. And that's very intimidating to a lot of people because you get your neck cut off if you do something wrong. <laughs> but yeah. uh, just just being open and being okay with not being the, the foremost expert and, and maybe reaching out to people who are and paying for their time to review the content and whatnot is, uh, is important. Um, but like also if you are not like good at what you're teaching, then like the stuff's not going to, it's not going to become wildly popular or, or sell super well yeah. because it's people are going to, ah, I took the course and it's okay, but a little confusing. And like, I, I didn't, totally get that he knew what he was talking about you know so but like when something's like oh man i took the west's react course and i finally clicked for me what state is and how this thing updates right so um i think that's kind of self-selecting as well in that regard yeah you have to understand it in order to explain it totally totally and also that's a great way to learn like that's how i got yeah. pretty good at javascript is i taught in-person classes i taught uh, lots of YouTube videos, I wrote blog posts and uh, doing conference talks, doing that type of thing. It forces you to go, oh, I don't actually know how static positioning in CSS works. Let me do some research. And then I go, ah, oh, OK, I get it. You know, like it really forces you into yeah. going down all these little rabbit holes and and actually fully understanding the thing. All right. Um, myth number three, um, other people are already offering similar courses, so I can't possibly pursue my idea. I I thought this initially. Um, when I <laughs> released my Sublime Text book, it took me like a year and a half to do the thing because it was my first one. And I was kind of slow at it. And by the time I launched it, there was like two other books out there on Sublime Text. Like mm -hmm. how many books on a text editor do you need? Um, and I never, never worry about that anymore because people are buying your stuff or they are viewing your stuff for the content, but they are also buying it because they like the way that you explain things. Like not everybody likes my stuff, but there's enough people out there that like the jokes and like the enthusiasm and like the way that I explain things. Cause, um, I don't use foobar baz and I don't use overly technical <laughs> concepts yeah. and like those are my people and those are the people that enjoy the way that I explain things um, and there's there's going to be other people out there that um, are much more much more technical use medicine tactic variables things like that and a lot of people are going to click with them a lot a lot more and, and that, that's their crew of, of people so um, just put yourself stuff out there like people have taught how a function works probably a million times, but it might yeah. not click for somebody until they see yours. Uh, so the last myth I found, um, no, one will, no one will pay for this content because there's so much stuff out there for free. Yeah, that's, um, I would say that's a myth as well. Um, you definitely do see that, like especially whenever I launch a course, it gets posted to Reddit. And the pe pe people on Reddit hate paying for stuff, right? And all the comments are like, why would I pay for this when there's MDN? Like, like I'm not saying that I have some secret knowledge of what the arguments are for Ray Filter, you know? But um, the, on the same same thing, there's there's a lot of people that say, like, I only finish courses I paid for because I've got, I've put some money down and I, I, I'm, I'm invested in this type of thing. Um, plus, like, 
I, I tend to think, and this is not always the case, but there's uh, a lot of, I, I think a lot of the paid stuff is high quality, um, especially if you have a reputation for, for having high quality and yeah. some of the free stuff might not be. That's not always true. Like I have a bunch of free stuff where I always tell people the difference between the free stuff and the paid stuff is the free stuff is free and the paid stuff is is paid, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't think I would would worry about that all that much people like to and and again this is a certain type of person there's a certain type of person who loves to scour blogs and read the docs and dive into example code and then there's another type of person who's just like let me sit down and like i need you to bird it to me i need you just to pipe that information (laughs) into my head and i want to watch how you do it and explain how you do it and i also want to see you uh hit issues and how you debug them and how you think about all that type of stuff Okay, cool, great answer. And um, yeah, one one last thing I wanted to ask you. It's a little bit more of a personal question um, sure. than anything else. But um, being a successful course creator, or in general being successful or famous, how do you handle the, the your fame? Like you are famous, you have what two hundred thousand followers on on Twitter, and your your DMs are open. <laughs> uh, uh, how, do, how do you handle that? Um, as best as I can. Um, like it's people are like, "Oh, you're famous and whatnot," but like, let's not forget that I'm just the developer who has a lot of Twitter followers. You know, like, like that's yeah. that's all it is. So like, it's really not like like I'm not Justin Bieber or anything, right? Like I'm just a guy <laughs> who posts screenshots of Twitter of code on on Twitter. So, um. <laughs> The the like the only thing that's hard about it is the sheer volume of of stuff that comes my way, um, and I just have to like be okay with with missing it. Like I get I don't know like fifteen DMs a day, and I can only reply to a, a handful of them, depending on like what comes in and things like that. And then um, past that, there's just like you just have to have processes in place for for dealing with that amount of stuff. So. Um, Anytime I get an email, I think to myself, okay, is this the type of email I've received before? Um, if so, then can I make a shortcut to explain it? Can I get my assistant to deal with it? Can I automate this in in, in some way to make it as quick as possible while still giving the person the time of day and stuff like that? So that's, and that's, it, that's where your usage page it. comes in probably, right? On your website. Yes, yeah, like that's that's the big one. Hey, what's what's the theme you use? What's the monitor you use? What's the all of this stuff, right? I just like I get those questions all the time, and like I don't want to like not answer those people because they're genuinely interested. And like I hate when you like send a DM to somebody on Instagram or whatever, and like you see that it's red, but then they don't reply. And like I get it, like you've got they probably have a yeah. hundred more, um, but I'm always like. Ah, it would be nice to know this information, what theme that is, right? Yeah. So then I've got uh, a page with all the stuff that I actually use and all the links and everything like that. And I have a little shortcut, um, which I just type uh, colon uses, and then it expands out uh, to, hey, I wrote a little bit of information here. And then I usually add like a one or two words myself just to yeah. make it a little bit more personal. Yeah, I'm actually guilty of asking you a couple of years ago what a font on your... <laughs> On your, uh, <laughs> you're is. one of. I used to yeah. have a uh, a Twitter bot. It was uh, <laughs> what was it? Twitter. 
com forward slash West Westbot. <laughs> yeah, B0T. It got suspended um, because <laughs> it I, it got suspended a couple times because it like it's literally a reply bot. Um, and anytime someone tweets me and the word font, it triggers a, a tweet that, that tells them it. Um, and like that Twitter's full of those for various reasons. Okay. Um, before I let you go, uh, uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, is there something coming up for you next? Something you, you may want to talk uh, about uh, here in the show? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm working on a TypeScript course. It's probably not coming for a bit because I'm still in the, the early days of thinking about how to teach something like that. Um, I just re-recorded my advanced React course. Um, my beginner React course will be re-recorded uh, shortly as well to include some of the new updates to React. So there's that. And there's just always lots of uh, fun new content coming coming out my way. All right. Cool. I think uh, we have it. Uh, thank you, Wes, uh, for all your answers. And thanks for agreeing to come on the show. It's been uh, hey, welcome. great. It's been an honor to have you here. <laughs> and um, yes, uh, thank you and uh, have a good one. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Okay. Thank you for listening to Decoding the Code. A new episode will be available every week. So don't forget to tune in next Monday. For past episodes, check out the website, decoding.show. Mm -hmm.